Hello and welcome to the Millennial Minimalist Podcast. I am your host, Kelly Foss, and together with my co-host, Lauren Morley, our mission is to help you simplify your life and live with greater intention. Together, let's live more with less. Hi, everyone. In response to your love for our Q&A episodes, today, Lauren and I respond to your questions around minimalism and our minimalist lifestyles. This is part one of a two-part Q&A where we cover everything from how to manage living with someone who is attached to their stuff, what to do with sentimental and just-in-case items, and how to simplify your work life. Plus, we share everything from our individual approaches to wellness and how we keep up with our daily routines to the number of clothes in our closets. Yes, we share the number of items that we own. We also define what simple living means to us, and we refer to exciting episodes in our backlog to direct you to conversations that may be especially helpful to you. Be inspired by our minimalist lifestyle tips to further help you on your path to building a simpler, more intentional life. So this episode is one that I know a lot of our listeners have been really looking forward to, Lauren. A few weeks back on our Instagram page, at Millennial Minimalist, we asked our followers to submit their questions about minimalism and simple living and any questions they had for us about our lifestyles. And we received so many great ones. We received so many questions. I was like, wow. And we're going to be answering all of them, which is very exciting. And a lot of the questions are relatable. And I know that they'll be really, really helpful to a lot of our listeners because I'm sure there are things that we're going to bring up. They're going to be thinking, oh, I've been thinking about that. So I'm excited that they answered that. And we have done a few Q&As in the past and they seem to be some of the listeners' favorites. So I'm excited to get into it today. Yeah, you guys asked amazing questions. I loved preparing for this podcast today. Yeah, it's so fun. I, I'm really excited to hear your tips, Lauren. And I know that we'll have similar and different perspectives on things and, and different tips to share. So it'd be awesome. So the first question we were asked, so the first question we asked on Instagram was ask us anything to help you simplify your life and live with greater intention. So the first question we got was, how do I manage living with someone who loves sentimental items and just in case items? Yeah. I always joke with Kelly that I've mastered getting rid of people's stuff when they're not home and then gaslighting them when they question me about it. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I do have some points today. So my first point for that one is you yourself having less clothes, having less products, you will reap benefits from that alone. So by starting with and just focusing on your own possessions will do wonders for your life. Like you will still reap the benefits from doing that. Now, with that being said, depending on your living situation, some people live with their parents, some people have roommates, they live by themselves, they live with a significant other, they have kids. You kind of have to navigate that. Like I lived alone for six years and then I moved in with my boyfriend. So for me, the first thing I did when I moved in was clear surfaces. So Mm -hmm. I cleared the bookshelf. So it just had books on it, cleared off side tables and desks and the kitchen counter. So the kitchen counter just had a coffee maker on it. These little things like really help with just my mental clarity and sense of peace when I'm in my space. And it makes it so much easier to clean and just maintain the space when that stuff's clear. Another point is give them their own space to put their stuff. So maybe they have their own closet that you have like dedicated drawers for them or areas where they're able to have more stuff. And then you can have 
other areas which are more minimal or -hmm. simplified in your home. Mm -hmm. As well, consider storing stuff. So we have a locker and I store off-season clothes. I store stuff like my skates and my winter boots and my bicycle helmet our Christmas tree, like things that I had to keep in my condo that I used to live in because I didn't have a storage locker. Now we do have that extra space. Again, be careful with storage. I always use my rule one calendar year. If you don't use it within a calendar year, you're probably not going to use it. Mm -hmm. But having a space for some storage, whether it's a basement or a locker or some area of your home can help clear out the areas that you need to keep for your everyday items. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. My other tips are go slowly. It's always a work in progress. Like I'm always thinking I got to go through that closet. I got to go through this drawer. I got to go through this area. Um, So just slowly going through things day by day, getting rid of one thing at a time, not stressing about it. Kelly and I always try to make this like a laid back lifestyle. Another point, lead by example. I think, you know, the quote, yes, I was going to say the same thing. Yes, 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 yes. That's the best. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the quote, it's think of how hard it is to change yourself. It's impossible to change someone else. So I think when your family members and Kelly, we can both attest to this, that our parents have adopted more of this lifestyle because we've inspired them. So, you know, when you're roommates or your partner or your family, they see you dressing well every day and they see you, you're happier, you're more calm, you have more time, you're saving money. Maybe you're starting to do things you've always wanted to. You're signing up for courses or hobbies or applying for that dream job. You're doing this because you're not a slave to consumerism anymore. You're You have more time, you have more energy. And when you simplify your stuff and your space and your life, you gain so much more. And when people see that, they will be inspired by the lifestyle. So sometimes stepping back and just living the lifestyle yourself can be enough. And lastly, you know, I lived alone for six years. Every square inch of my condo from my spoons to my one pen was exactly how I wanted it. Little psycho. (laughs) But I can't live that life anymore. Like I I live with someone now. I can't count things anymore. So you have to meet in the middle. It's like I still want clear open spaces, but maybe our drawers have more stuff or our closets. I remember when I first moved in, he was like, your drawers are empty. This is such a waste of space. I'm like, no, this is how I live my life. Like, I don't care. I don't have that many products. I I like my drawers with space in them so that when I open them, I know what's in there. I know what I need. It makes my life easier. So I just thought that was funny. He's like, this is such a waste. Yeah, it's it's interesting. A lot of people, they'll buy homes and they the home has more space in it and they feel the need to fill every crevice, every corner with something, every cupboard with an item when really some things can be left clean and clear. Yeah, for sure. And if you're, if you live with a lot of people and there is a lot of stuff, you can always create your own space. Like maybe it's your bedroom or maybe it's an office and you can have your desk in there or a chair, or you can do yoga or meditate or work out or read or write. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's your space that it's, there's not very much in it. It's your place of peace and calm. So If you can't do your whole home, then creating your own space can make a big difference. So I I love this question and I agree with your answers, especially when it comes to lead by example. So obviously growing up in my family home, my parents love their stuff. 
and they love their sentimental items. And when it comes to those items, I suggest keeping a few that you love and that may be useful to you, but not keeping all of them. And something that I've shown my parents over the years is taking pictures of things goes a long way so that you can hold on to that memory and then just keep a few trinkets that spark those memories, right? You know, there's obviously a few things that you want to hold on to that may not be useful to you. And that is fine. And even in the minimalism documentary, Joshua Fields Milburn, he goes through his mother's home and there's so much sentimental stuff. And he only, I think he he, he left with four or five items, right? To to remember her. And again, you don't need all of that stuff. And when it comes to just in case items, I always like to explain to the person, you know, go to the person and say, with these items, will you actually use them? You know, because often the time these items just will collect dust. And these items could instead just be donated or purchased again in the future if we need them again. So these are some questions that I really recommend. I suggest that we ask ourselves questions like, will I use this item? Is this a reflection of my past or future self? A lot of the time we think that we're going to use this item because we've used it in the past, or we think we will use it in the future when really we won't. (laughs) For example, a set of paints, a guitar, sports equipment. And is this item taking up a lot of space? It's a question to ask yourself. I remember back in the day when I was living in Los Angeles, I went to someone's apartment and they had one den full of sports equipment and it was their den. And I was like, when, when's the last time you touched all this stuff? He's like, oh, I haven't in forever. And you think to yourself, well, the stuff is just collecting dust. And if you're going to pick up golf again, maybe in five years, then you can just go get a set of clubs again. You know, it might be worth saving that space and then buying it later on. So again, but I love the idea back to lead by example, lead by example. It is so great. That way you're not pushing anything onto someone, but you're showing them, Hey, these are some things you can do. And this is what's been really helpful to me. And look at with all this physical space, I now have more mental space. I have more have, I'm spending less time cleaning. I now have time to, as you said, Lauren, go out and do those activities that I've always wanted to do. So great question. Thank you so much, whoever asked this question, because this is a common question. And I think it's, you know, these tips that we're providing can be very, very helpful. Yeah, no, that was such a great question. So this, the next question we got is, how can I simplify my small business or how can I avoid feeling the pressure to do it all? I prefer to do one thing well. So my response to this is, first of all, I always suggest keep organized. Use a digital and an analog system. For me, I use my digital calendar and I use my bullet journal, as many of you know. And I I kind of use it as a physical calendar now to keep track of my daily tasks. And again, I've mentioned this before, I cross out my daily tasks to feel more accomplished each day. And that has helped me simplify mentally my business tasks and everything I do each day. Now, then the second thing I would suggest is to let go. Let go of the feeling that you can only do it and that you have to do all of it. Uh, You have to figure out the areas that you enjoy the most, that you're the strongest at, and delegate the other tasks. And when speaking of wanting to do one thing really, really well, I assume, I'm assuming that this may mean that this business may have too many branches to it. Maybe she has multiple products or services that she's selling. So if it's in this case, I recommend stepping back reflecting on all the areas of the business 
and identifying the areas of the business that are most meaningful or most aligned with your mission. I think a lot of the time it's like, oh, you know, I've got this business, but then I've got, this is a part of the business and there's this happening, this happening. It's like, step back, figure out what is the area that is most aligned with your mission and what you're most passionate about and what's going to make you the happiest. So yeah, so that's, this is how I'm taking the question when it comes to simplifying your business. And actually in the, recently uh, I, I interviewed Eliana Goldstein. Uh, it's episode 113. It's called Simplify Your Goals with Eliana Goldstein. Highly recommend it. So if you want to learn more, check out that episode. No, that was good. I like your point on staying organized. That's so important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because it will make it feel more simplified because you are saying, hey, these are the key tasks I won't need to get done each day. And, and then when you physically cross it out, it's really helpful. No, that's great advice. My advice with this, I mean, I read the question and, you know, I is it your full-time job? Is it a side hustle? I was kind of, but if you have the resources to do so and the money, I would maybe outsource what you hate doing so that you have the time to focus on what you do really well because your company might grow from just you putting the effort into what you do really well instead mm-hmm. of having to spread your time. There's also the 80-20 rule. So 80% of your business may be coming from 20% of your effort and figuring out what that is. You may be wasting time on a lot of things that aren't even bringing you that much more business and that you don't like. So like you said, Kelly, step back and assess it. Like make sure that the little things you're doing that you hate are actually valuable to your company. And just taking those things you have to do. Cause I mean, even Kelly and I with the podcast and the website and the products, there's so many little things, like little tedious things you have to do that aren't always fun. Like the fun part is the podcast. So just being consistent with those little daily things, like even in real estate, I hate calling clients. It's like the thing I just don't like doing because I'm scared I'm bothering them or they're going to hang up on me. But then there's other things I enjoy doing, like the marketing side of it or like looking at cool properties or sending people information. I like doing that side. So I always take those. I call five people a day. I get it over with in the morning and then I can focus on the parts that I enjoy more about my work. So just kind of being consistent and just doing a little bit of what you need to do. I like that you pointed out doing the work that you enjoy the least first. Yeah. Getting out of the way. Always do the hardest work first. That is so smart because it makes the rest of the day so much easier. But then sometimes it like, if you hate it, it can drain you and your energy for the rest of the day. So it's like, I don't know. Do you wait till (laughs) the end? I, it's something I need to trial and error, but so far getting the phone calls over with so I can do other stuff does help me. That's great. That's great. So we're now moving on to the second question that we had asked our listeners, and that is, ask us anything about our minimalist lifestyles. I was very excited for this one. (laughs) I was curious what they're going to ask us. So the first question we got was, how many clothes do you have? I don't know how many I can live off of. And now, honestly, the first time I heard this, I thought to myself, oh, goodness, here's a minimalist misconception. So I like to... I want to start off by saying that there is no rule book to the number of clothes that you can own. Again, it's about living a simpler, more intentional life. So whatever that means for you, it's about keeping what you love and that you wear and what you need in your lifestyle, you know, figure out 
what is your lifestyle entail? Do you, do you go to an office and, you know, can you wear more casual wear? Do you go out often? Do you need more evening wear outfits? Things to think about. What is your lifestyle? Do you have clothes that are not conducive to your lifestyle today that you can donate or recycle or sell or get rid of? So figure out what you use and you don't use by starting to declutter your items and identifying what you want to keep, sell, donate, or get rid of again. Now, a fun trick that Lauren and I learned in the early days is to turn all of your hangers backwards so that you can then identify which clothing items you're actually wearing. So try to hang them all up and see which items that you're wearing over the course of a few weeks and which that you don't. That can really, really help you in the process. And when I saw this question, I was like, okay, well, this also relates to this closet kit that Lauren and I built. We built a closet decluttering e-guide to help people simplify their closets and declutter the clothes in their closet so that they could build a wardrobe that is, you know, an intentional wardrobe for them. And we've divided it by outfits. It's a five-step process. Very easy. It's a simple e-guide and you can check it out. It's mastersimplicity.com. And it really, really helps you get down to the essentials and it helps you refine your wardrobe and it'll transform your closet. Like it's, it's really worth for us. But anyways, check it out if you're interested. And uh, for me, so in terms of specifics, how many clothes do I have? Well, I don't know how many clothes I have, but when I went into my closet, I realized that I have approximately four to five items in each category. So if you don't already know, Lauren and I divide our closet by seven different categories that include casual wear, work wear, evening wear, active wear, sleep wear, miscellaneous, and outerwear. And so within those categories, I have four to five items. So, and, and we swap it out per season. We live in a four seasons climate here in Toronto, Canada. So we have our winter wear all set up now. It's fun. I actually recently swapped everything, Lauren, which was fun. And so, yeah, I have around, you know, in casual wear, I have a few t-shirts, pair of jeans. So that's kind of how I mix it up. But again, everyone's going to be different. Some people are fashionistas and they love to wear different outfits every single day. For Lauren and I, we can get three outfits out of three t-shirts and a pair of jeans. So it's going to be different for everyone. Again, it's about building an intentional lifestyle, whatever that means for you. And yeah, I, you know, I have more clothes than Lauren. Lauren, you, mm-hmm. you have like a 10 piece wardrobe, right? I don't know what it looks like now, but I remember when I first met you, you literally had 10 outfits in your closet, which is amazing. I'd like to get there, but I'm not there yet. So I have around like four to five items in each, each category. Okay, so there's seven categories. So you have 35 items, including because I counted. I was curious after this. Oh, question. wow. So you actually counted. That's amazing. So, how many clothing items does Lauren Morley own? Okay, so <laughs> inclusive of pajamas, workout clothes, and coats. Yep. And, and the clothes I was wearing. <laughs> wow. I, I had 39 items. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. That's pretty good. I wish you counted. We could have seen whose was last. It could have been in competition. It is a competition. <laughs> we always say this is the only lifestyle where you're jealous of the, of the person who has less than you. Who has you. less. <laughs> whose low, number's lower. I do have clothes stored extras and off-season in the locker. So I will say that. But the clothes from my fall, winter, for work, casual, dress, 
workout sleep outer is 39. So if people were interested in knowing 12 pairs of underwear, eight pairs of socks and two bras. Wow. <laughs> This is so great. I should have been more specific. This is so great. And, and and if you haven't already, check out episode 103. It's called Closet Crash Course, one of our most popular episodes. Definitely check it out if you want to learn more. That's so yeah, funny. No, that was fun. <laughs> I love that you actually counted. This is amazing. So the next question that we got is, how do you maintain your daily routines? So Again, I use a bullet journal. It's an analog system for keeping track of your daily tasks, future goals, and past accomplishments. And this really keeps me on track. So I was actually with uh, my very good friend, Mac, yesterday, and he was sharing about how he just opened up a brand new bullet journal and he filled it all out. And he had realized in analyzing his bullet journal that he just completed that there were a lot of holes. There are additional things that he had done with his time that weren't logged. You know, that's where the spontaneity comes in and, and that's a good thing. But but it's really nice to have a foundation set. So for me, it's like every day I, I, I have work tasks that I want to get done. I always prioritize exercise and then social, whatever whatever that means, whether seeing a friend, calling family, and then with exercise, going for a run, going for a walk, just prioritizing at least one to two things in each category each day. That's a successful day for me. So that's how it helps me maintain my routines. I also always clean as I go, Lauren, as you know. So I'm always cleaning my house as I as I go because as I learned in my childhood, as my dad would always tell me, you know, keep your place always ready for company. So never feel the need to be, oh, you know, someone's coming over tomorrow. I got to do a big cleanup. No, you don't need to because every day you're cleaning up a little bit. Obviously, I'm always mindful. I live on my own. It's much easier. I don't have kids yet. So it's it's much more challenging. But I'm actually excited for that day, Lauren, where we do have kids and we can talk more about that because I know a lot of our listeners do have kids. So it'll be very interesting. We interviewed the minimalist mom back in the day. So you can definitely check out that episode. But yeah, I'm sure we'll have a lot, lot more to share once we have kids in our lives. Oh my God, my kids are going to play with like empty boxes as their toys. <laughs> I feel bad for them already. I know. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I like that you said health. So like exercise, work and social. You do something social every day? Every day. Wow. Yep. Every day I, I'm either talking to someone, calling someone, seeing someone in person. It's oh, okay. great. Okay. That Phone interaction. Is, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's important. Actually, even this week has probably been the most successful. I've met someone every single day in person this week, which is amazing. And I think it, you know, as you've told me in the past, Lauren, because we know each other so well, I feed off other people's energy. I get yeah. more energy from other people. Whereas you said you get drained. I get drained when I, when someone says hi to me, like on the street, I'm like, oh, my energy's drained. <laughs> <laughs> don't say hi to me. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I don't wear glasses. Um <laughs> It, when when you and I go for walks to talk about the podcast, I guess you cover all three then. Social, exercise, and work. Well, it's not really work, but yeah. I guess we talk about work sometimes. Yeah, I just thought of that. Okay, so um, here's my advice on the daily routines. If you can find a routine that you enjoy, you're so much more likely to stick to it. So 
True. And you have to trial and error things. Like for me to get my morning routine down pat, I tried so many different things. Should I exercise first? Should I work? Should I start work right away? When should I have my coffee? Should I eat when I wake up, or should I just have water or have my coffee later? I did trial and error so many things, and I found that when I set my alarm early, because I set my alarm for six, if I had to wake up and work out right away, I didn't want to get out of bed. I'm like, I don't want to go from this like warm, comfortable bed that I was just sleeping to like a workout mat. Like it just, it's not a good transition. I also didn't want to just open up my laptop and start work because I'm like, it's six o'clock. I'm like still sleeping. Like I'm not awake yet. And you know, that morning routine of waking up, I put my blanket around me, I press my Nespresso button and make my coffee, sit on the couch, read a book. Like it's, I look forward to it. Like when the alarm goes off, I'm like, yes, like I get to make my coffee and like start, keep reading that book. So like, I'm excited to get up and then I get in some exercise, I get ready and I start work. And I like that routine. I look forward to it every morning. It energizes me. It like prepares me for the day so that it helps me stay consistent with it. Um, And then in terms of my work routine, I have my set of goals, like what I'm working towards. I hate the word goal because I feel like a lot of people spend the whole time trying to work towards the goal and they feel like they haven't reached it yet. And then when they Mm -hmm. do get it, they don't know what to do next. So I know a lot of people work on systems now, but And I have my goals and then I make my to-do list based off those goals. So like, what do I need to work on today Mm -hmm. to reach those goals? The process is the best part. It is. Yeah. Because you, you have to uh, enjoy it every day and look forward to it. Like the, the, that end goal, like once you reach it, it's like a split second of your life. That whole process could have been years. Like don't waste those years. You got to enjoy getting there. Um, and then the little things I don't like, like cleaning and, you know, unloading the dishwasher, washing the floor, stuff like that. I just do a little bit every day. So it doesn't Mm -hmm. really affect me, you know, make the bed when you wake up, hang up your clothes at the end of the day, take five or 10 minutes and like wipe down the bathroom sink, sweep the kitchen floor. These little things add up so much at the end of the week. And then your home is always nice. So make the little things consistent and find routines that you like. It's so important. Love it. Love it. Now, our next question is, what are your approaches to wellness? Similar question, similar but different. So for you and I, I can speak on behalf of both of us, exercise is so important. So for me, especially not just physical, but also, you know, you're not, not just for the physical benefits, but also the mental benefits, eating right eating well, prioritizing my sleep. I'm naturally a night owl, but I'm trying to change that. And I've been successful at changing that as of recent. I have been going to bed approximately around 10, 8, 10 p.m., 10.30, and I wake up early. And it makes me feel so much better and more accomplished throughout the day. I do like those mornings where not just the idea of like, oh, you know, you're the first one up and I just feel like you you get up and you just feel a little bit more accomplished throughout the day when you've started the day off right. And another approach to wellness is disconnecting from my work and my phone. Originally, I had to force myself to sit on the couch and do nothing. It's become a lot easier these days. And I don't even have to do like I don't even have to do a meditation. I just lay there and I listen to music and I just let my thoughts pour out. It's so, 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 so important. 
when you go back to back to back to back doing things all day, you don't give your mind a rest. It's not healthy. It's not healthy. And you're not going to perform. You're not going to perform your do or do your best. And of course, another approach to my wellness, which I highly recommend everyone have is a therapist and everyone should have a fly on the wall if, if they're able to. It's, you know, a lot of corporations will cover that. And I think that's wonderful. I think more should. We use BetterHelp, as many of you know, and something I haven't shared with you all yet is that the, my boyfriend and I, uh, we broke up uh, quite a few weeks ago now. Uh, and so this person that I was speaking with has been really helpful uh, to me in this process. And uh, yeah, I mean, breakups are hard. They're really hard. And so uh, hard. But you realize, you know, I've gone through breakups before and a girlfriend of mine said to me the other day, and I just thought it was the most beautiful thing in the world. She said, the universe has your back. And I was like, oh, that is so beautiful. You know, even when like the hardest time, it's like, you know, there's a reason why certain things happen. It's, it's a chapter and you only come, become stronger after those things. And of course, you've also grown for me. I've grown so much from that relationship and so many great things to take away from it. And so, yeah, it was just the, unfortunately, some people have to go their separate ways and their lives aren't as aligned. So, yeah. So it's been very, very helpful to me. It's a huge approach to wellness. Uh, mental fitness is so, so important. And, and we actually did an episode uh, and I, I made a note here, episode 112, make time for mental fitness with Mark Champagne. If you want to learn more, definitely check out that episode. Oh, thank you for sharing that, Kelly. That's I know it's been a hard couple of weeks here. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, like, I mean, this will come out a little bit further along, but uh I and, and and you especially have been such a rock to me, Lauren. So I wanna thank you as well. I mean, having friends there for you and just supporting you. It's you know, it's 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 almost like a death in a sense, a breakup. So it's it's very it's it's hard because you see your life with someone and then it completely changes. And so, but that's okay. Things happen for a reason in, in my mind. And, uh, it made me so much closer to my family and friends. Like it just, it just brought everything to the next level. So yeah. So I appreciate it, Lauren. Yeah. No, you grieve after a breakup. It's, it's mm -hmm. heartbreaking. I, I've been through them and I, I know how hard they are. Yeah. Oh, I remember you during those times. Lauren would call <laughs> me. Oh my gosh. That was so hard. I, so and I'm hard. I'm so sensitive, so I feel like I take it harder than other people. But yeah, I remember you telling me you're like, "Wow, you really didn't take that hard." Like in the past, and I'm like, yeah. "Yeah, Lauren. Every every person has a different taste. Like you, there could be a Victoria's Secret model, but a guy's like, I'm not into that type. You know what I mean? Everyone, yeah. everyone, yeah. That's <laughs> not my what, type. <laughs> yeah, every, I forget what like Jared Freed said. Comedian Jared Freed, I love him. He's with the U Up podcast and the J Train podcast. He's so hilarious and he's like everyone has a different lid or there's a different lid for every pot kind of thing and everyone's everyone's foot or something I don't know he says some funny things about how everybody has a different taste and so you can't take it personally and it might not even be like a physical thing or a personality thing it could just be hey your interests are different the alignment is different what you wanted to your future is different so anyways I could go on a tangent but yeah. I honestly think Lauren that we should do another episode on breakups and 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 how to navigate breakups it would be so so great there's actually a podcaster called the breakup bestie she is oh. so great and if anybody's ever 
going, if anyone's going through one or, 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 or is interested in this, check her out. She helped me through it. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I, I need to call on that girl because it would be amazing to talk with her. So. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of dating podcasts coming up here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love it. And you have been amazing just like getting up and, you know, getting back to your life. So you're you're super strong, Kelly. Thank you. Thank you. So Um, what are your approaches to wellness? My approaches to wellness. So obviously the two big main things are your diet and exercise. And the way that I was able to get those down pat and consistent is trial and error. Again, like I tried so many different workouts to find ones that I liked. And, you know, I did ballet beautiful for eight years. I do Pilates yoga. I've been doing this girl, Sammy Clark lately, which I'm really enjoying just going for walks, bike rides, skating, playing tennis, finding activities that I genuinely enjoy doing and just being consistent with doing something daily has helped me so much in my wellness approach. When it comes to meals, I literally have on the notes in my phone, breakfast, lunch, and dinners. And then I just make those meals on rotation. Like you can always try out new meals. Sometimes I'll do that, but it just helps stay on course with eating properly and grocery shopping and cooking. I still eat out. I still drink and I still eat dessert, but having that foundation Cause it's like Wednesday night, it's like, what am I going to make for dinner? I can look at my phone and be like, oh, here's 10 dinners that I know how to make mm-hmm. and I can grab the stuff. So just in terms of exercise and eating, I just kind of find things I like, do it on rotation and stay consistent with it and just keeping it easy. Like, you know, right now, Kelly and I are podcasting. I got a big glass of water beside me. Like if you're meeting up with a friend or you're on the phone, get up and walk around your place or go for a walk and do it. Like there's so many little things that don't seem like anything, but uh, they really add up. Uh, Another thing is take time to relax. Now that I'm in my 30s, I prioritize this so much. I remember in my 20s, I'm like, you have to wake up at 6am and work and you have to work all day. And when you get home from work, you have to do more work. And it just, it's not your best work or your best self. Now I'm like, get up, get that morning routine in to get you ready. Have that focused day of work. And I take the evenings off. It's not my, I know it's your mental time, Kelly. It's not mine. Like 6 a.m. is when I'm like energetic. I can think I'm creative. 6 p.m. I want to make dinner, take a shower, make a cup of tea, watch a movie. I am not in this like high energy mode. So yeah, finding time to relax whenever that is. And another thing, don't do stuff that stresses you out. I feel like a lot of times you know, we'll like have workouts because we think we're going to get results, but we hate doing them. Or like, we are like, oh, I have to make this like super healthy meal. That's really complicated and has all these ingredients and takes forever. You know, you can simplify things so much and having that calmness to your lifestyle and your wellness routine Mm -hmm. goes a long way. So I was, I was just listening to the school of greatness podcast, with Lewis house this morning, and he was talking to Uh, someone in the nutrition space about how stress actually ages us. And I mean, we've heard it before, but when a doctor says that again, it's like, oh gosh, we got to be mindful of that. Why sometimes we, we create these stressful lives and we're like, you know, you step back and realize, okay, what can I eliminate from my life so that I can have better wellness? (laughs) You know, sometimes it, it, it reminds us of me of our episode with Celeste Headley. That was 
episode. Let me check here. Episode 131. She has a book called Do Nothing. Read it. Yeah. If you are stressed out, read it. It's so good. Break away from overworking, overdoing, and underliving. Such a good book. If you haven't read it already, so good. But yeah, no, that's interesting, Lauren. Yeah, yeah. Again, yeah, we always want to pack our days, especially you and I. And I think what we've realized is that it's not good for us mentally. We get really hard on ourselves, especially when we don't create that space. Yeah, there are times that's so funny you said that where my like stomach's in a knot and I'm so anxious. Like I'm all my hands are like shaking over, you know, if I'm stressed out and I'm like, you are aging right now. Like you need to get rid of this feeling. <laughs> I'm like, I can't. I'm so stressed. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, now I'm gonna think now next time you you stress out, I'll be like, Lauren, you're gonna age yourself, you're gonna get yeah. another wrinkle. <laughs> I know. <laughs> maybe that'll help you. Yeah, maybe it will. I'll be like, okay, I don't care about that anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so our next question is, and I love this question so much. So thank you, whoever asked this. What does simple living mean to you? So whenever people ask me this question, it's to live with greater intention, to live with intention. To me, simple living means owning only what you use or love and having the space and clarity to live by your values and pursue your goals. Whenever I tell people that I'm a minimalist, they immediately say things like, oh, I don't own much either. Or, oh, you must have a tiny space. Or, oh, you must value the frugal way of life. And all of these ideas are untrue in so many ways. Again, it's whatever that looks like for your lifestyle and your goals. Living a minimalist lifestyle is simply just living an intentional lifestyle. And that doesn't mean we can't own nice things or live in nice homes. We can. And we do like nice things. Lauren and I do like nice things. It's just about living more mindfully right? We don't need to live in excess. We don't need tons of branded items, but we do like a high quality item that's useful to us. So, and I think a lot of our listeners can relate to that. And I think it's fine. I I really want to debunk those. For some people, some minimalists live in tiny homes and own a certain number of clothing items, but the majority are just living a simpler, more intentional life for them, whatever that looks like. So. No, that's well said. So simple living to me, a sense of calm. Yeah. Uh, Putting time and energy into what matters. Appreciating the small things. I feel like when you're a minimalist because you have less, you just like appreciate the little things in life. Like, you know, I wake up, I have my coffee. I, I love just reading a book and, you know, making dinner, you know, going for a walk. It's these little things when you're so you have so much going on in your life or you're in that consumeristic lifestyle. It's hard to like step back and appreciate the little things and also less, but better. So less friends, but closer ones, less clothes, but looking your best every day, less food, but higher quality, less items, but ones you love and use. So. Oh, I love that. That's so true. Yes. 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 You're touching on all the points. I like that you touched on how it's really about creating space so that you can be more present with those around you and and with yourself. You know, taking that time, just go for a coffee and, you know, don't bring your AirPods, just go and and just be present at the coffee shop. Just little things like that and uh, you know, we're in such a fast-paced world these days and simple living who who was it? It was uh Anthony Ongaro recently just interviewed him. He said 
slow is smooth, smooth is fast. And I love that quote so much because when we move slower, we're more attentive, we're more aware of what we're doing so that we'll do a better job in the long run. So again, if you feel like you're like on this rat race, slow down because you might even be on this rat race that goes in the wrong direction. I always, I always say that, you know, sometimes, I mean, there was a point in my life where I was, I felt like, oh, you know, as a millennial, it's like, oh, you know, all the 20, 20 under or 20, 30 under 30. And I was like, oh gosh, they're all like accomplishing so much more before me. And then you realize everybody moves at a different pace. Everybody has different chapters, different seasons in life. So, you know, your biggest competition is yourself for sure. No, I love that quote. It's so true. I just read James Clear newsletter, which if you aren't signed up, I highly recommend. I love getting it every Thursday. Oh, James Clear? Yeah, yeah, James Clear, yeah. He's had a quote in there about once you like get famous for something or get recognized for something, they want you to produce more of it faster. And that's the time you really have to step back and like go slowly and produce your best work. So I just found that interesting. It reminded me of that. So true. Actually, I interviewed Greg McEwen, who wrote the book Essentialism and Effortless, the the books. And he talks about that. He's like, you know, I wrote Essentialism and it did so well. And then I got into this mindset of, okay, okay, now I got to do all these talks. Uh, I got to write all these additional essays. And all this stuff was coming to him because the book was so successful and he got overwhelmed. And then that actually inspired the book Effortless. So it's so great. You know, he, 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 he was like, well, what do I do? It's like the big rock theory, you know, all the rocks that are coming to me are important and and it's overflowing. And then he realized, no, they're not all important. And, and, you know, you, you think that everything's important and urgent, but it's not. And then you, you step back and you reflect. So he talks about how to do the most essential things in life effortlessly it's one of my favorite books. Check it out. Uh, I don't know what episode it was, but it's in our backlog. Check out Greg McEwen. He is amazing. So our next question is, how do you feel after work? I find it hectic. How can you make it calmer? So I'm not sure if this individual has kids or other priorities when they come home, but I'm assuming they do. But let's say that they don't have kids to start. I would challenge this person to ask themselves questions like, what is causing me to feel stressed when I walk into the door? Is my place disorganized? Do I have to respond to a ton of asks in my personal life? Are they urgent? So I'm sure you'd agree with me, Lauren. When we walk into our places, I mean, my place is like so calm. I literally have a picture on the wall that says calm. (laughs) My advice is create a space in your home, even if it's just one room for you to decompress or prioritize time for you away from the stresses if you can. And, And things that can make a space calmer are, you know, lighting, set the mood, something Lauren loves to do, light some candles, make a nice meal for yourself, read a book, watch a flick, call a friend who makes you feel good. And, and for those who do have kids, make time for you after they go to bed and before you go to sleep. I grew up as a babysitter. My mom has a daycare. There's that small window. And, and sometimes you end up working in that window, but make time for yourself. I have a few friends who have kids. It's so important to make that time. Again, I'm excited to get there. I'll have definitely more advice and more thoughts to share, but uh, 
yeah, hopefully in the next few years. <laughs> but yeah, so what were your thoughts, Lauren? Yeah, I definitely can't touch on if you have kids, I'm sure it would be hectic after work, like getting dinner and homework and all of that. But I definitely shift my priorities or my work and stuff to the morning and to the day because I know that I'm going to be tired after work. So when I come through that door at like six or seven o'clock at night, unless I'm working from home, yeah, I, like yeah. my day's over. Like I'm going to make my dinner and I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to watch a movie. I'm going to get a good night's sleep. It's not work time anymore. So I really try to stick to that. And little things like if it's like dinner, that's always hectic. I always do the cook once, eat twice rule. So, you know, you get home the next night and you have leftovers. You don't have to cook dinner that night. I always put everything away in the morning. So when I'm getting ready, I put everything back just to make sure that space is clean. Like you said, Kelly. So when you get home from work, things are put away. And it's also nice working through the day, knowing the evening's coming. Like, I love the evening. It's so nice to just like, I make a cup of tea and like watch my comedy shows or my movies. And, you know, you look forward to it. So when you can create that calm at the end of the day, it's like something to look forward to, but it's going to have to come from trial and error, seeing what is making it so hectic. Like it's a place a mess. Do you not know what to make for dinner? What is causing that? And how can you put that to other areas of the day or simplify it or make it better, or outsource it or do something? Yeah. Okay. When you're talking about getting home, having your tea, watching your comedy, I'm thinking, um, putting myself in the shoes of someone who has another full-time job and they get home kids. So if you do one thing I highly recommend is keeping your place clutter-free and clean. That will go such a long way for you. It will bring you so much mental clarity that you won't even realize it could be subconscious. Just keeping that space, especially your entryway, keeping it clear will just make you feel so much better when you walk into your home. Coming home to mess, even if you don't feel like it affects you, it probably is affecting you. It may affect you unless, of course, you're clutter blind, which there are clutter blind people out there. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, But yeah, no, this is a good question because at the end of a hectic day, the last thing you want is more hecticness at the end of the day. So these are definitely some some great tips. So the next question we have is, where do you store things like suitcases and vacuums? I'm actually curious about yours, Lauren. So I actually have a little vacuum, a mini one. I have a front closet where I store my vacuum. And of course, because it's mini, it's easy to store. When it comes to my suitcase, I have a mono suitcase. Uh, I'm sure many of you have heard of it. It's monos.com. They're not a partner of ours, but I love their stuff. It's at Monos Travel on IG. And when I decluttered my closet, I thought, ooh, well, I have a couple of nice boxes and a beautiful suitcase. I kind of want to put it on display. So my suitcase is on display in my closet. I should take more pictures of my closet and share it on IG with everybody because I'm sure you are super curious. But yeah, so I put it on display. That's where I keep it. I keep it in my closet. It's neatly aligned and it's just a carry-on. And eventually, so it's so funny. I honestly, I have never owned a designer purse. It's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Maybe when I was a kid, when I thought coach was cool, I was like, oh yeah, here's my coach purse. Like I'll never forget the day that I got it. I was so excited and proud of myself. I bought it with uh, what I, I bought it with like babysitting money over the years. And I, 
Yeah. So I, I do want to invest in a more high quality purse. And, you know, that's kind of stuff that you put on display in your closet. You know, you see it on IG all the time, but no, it's not, that's not why I want to buy it. I want to buy it because it's something that I need. I don't have one. I literally have a backpack and random bags that I carry, which is not conducive to my lifestyle today. And, you know, again, I, I, I'm communicating this because it's like, you're allowed to own nice items. It's just, you don't, you don't need excess items. Like I, I personally don't need multiple. I just need one. Right. So that's where it gets interesting. But again, no judgments. Some people, if you are in the fashion business and you have multiple, that's fine. Just as long as you're using them. So, but again, there's no judgment. It's just trying to live more mindfully. No, that's so true. Yeah. When I lived alone, I'm like you, I, I had a little vacuum and I, my suitcase that I stored in my front hall closet. Yeah. Now we have a storage locker. So I have the suitcase in the storage locker. Okay. And then uh, I, I still keep the vacuum in our front hall closet though. Oh, okay. Okay. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So it's pretty simple. If you have a storage locker, it's very helpful, but a lot of us, yeah. we live in tiny spaces and we don't have one. I don't have one. I don't have a storage locker. But maybe there's stuff around your vacuum and around your suitcase that is taking up all the space. So definitely think about that as well. So the next question is, where do you store winter items when not in use, such as your coats and your boots? So I didn't always have a front closet, but now in my new place, I have a front closet, which has a shelving area where I can stack my shoes, which is great. When I buy a pair of shoes, I always keep the box that it keeps the shoes nice, right? Keeps them together. But at the same time, I've I've labeled all the boxes because they almost look similar. So I put, you know, this is my tennis shoe. This is my boot. This is my running shoe. And that's been really helpful to me. But I'm actually inspired to make it look nicer. So I think what I want to do is I want to get those shoe packing cubes and stack them. I only have around eight pairs of shoes. So not a lot. And that's including boots and whatnot and heels. So yeah, I'm thinking to stack everything. So I put that in my closet in terms of, you know, the seasonal wear. So I, I I have a storage bin in that closet that houses my winter coats when I'm not using them. But now that I am using them, I have my spring coats in there, right? So that's how I sort it out. And when it comes to outerwear, I have all my outerwear in the front closet. I don't put it in my closet in my bedroom because I separate the two. So it's nice to have the option to separate the two. If you don't, try to stick it in there and, of course, put it in a storage piece. If I, I just have this storage compartment that I got off Amazon. It's amazing. It's great. Really, really helpful. Yeah, it's so nice to separate them. When I lived in my old condo, I had all seasons in my closet because I didn't have that many clothes. So I always kept all seasons, but now my closet space is smaller. So I do have a storage bin. Again, I keep it in the locker and it's nice to separate them because I feel like when the change of season, you feel like you're getting new clothes. It's not just clothes you've stared at for the last six months. So it is nice to transition them, make sure you're still wearing stuff, forces you to go through your closet. But yeah, I I just have a bin with my extra items and my winter clothes. I keep them downstairs in the locker. 
And when I lived in my other condo, I would keep my extra items in my suitcase (laughs) in the closet. And then when I would travel, I would just put them in a bag. So you can always use that room in the suitcase if you wanted to store your off-season stuff in a bag. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. You utilize that suitcase. Why not? Why not? If you don't travel that often, why not? Just keep a few things in there. I remember I always kept my... I always kept my travel pillow in there because it took up so much space. So I just throw it in there. So yeah. Okay. So our last question for this episode is, and I say it's our last question because we're going to do a part two of the Q&A because we got so many amazing questions. So this question is, can you talk about your bullet journal setup? So I used to be very intricate with it in the past. And if you don't know what bullet journaling is, just YouTube it. There are tons of videos about the methods out there. So today I've simplified it to the point, Lauren, where I could literally just use a calendar, but I I like the bullet journal because I like to actually physically create my own columns, which is great. But every Sunday I fill it out. I put key work tasks for the week, things that I want to do in terms of like my exercise, like mentally and physically. So I put in, hey, I'm going to go to Barry's this day. I'm going to go run this day, et cetera. And then I have time for social, which is usually like changes throughout the week, but it's just nice to have a foundation ready each week. And, you know, in, in my research, I've learned for, well, for me, bullet journaling has helped me feel more accomplished each day. It reminds me where I'm spending my time so that if I'm not reaching a certain goal, it's like, oh, well, that's why. Or if I'm getting closer to reaching a goal, I'm like, oh, well, this is really working. So it can really help you improve your time management. Uh, it can help you visualize your goals. And again, it can help you feel more accomplished because, you know, you and I, I remember back in the day, we'd be like, oh, where did the time go? Like, what do we do? You know, <laughs> you know, and so so now it's like, okay, well you do. And, you know, sometimes you'll be working on something for six hours and you'll feel like, oh, I'm not accomplished. But it's like, yeah, you are. Don't be so hard on yourself. You know, we can only do so much in one day. And I know that's hard for us as people who work a lot. But again, you're going to be more efficient and work better by working a little bit slower. And if you want to learn more about the bullet journal method, check out uh, episode 66, the bullet journal method with Mac whale, who is a friend and mentor of mine who literally has the most beautiful bullet journal that I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) He's so specific to how much even water he drinks. Now I, I don't recommend that everyone do that, but it's, it's amazing because you know, again, it helps people in different ways. I just, it's just, a beautiful thing because everybody's bullet journal looks a little bit different. So yeah. Well, this is fun, Lauren. This is great. I love the Q&A. Like I, I, I'm excited that there's a part two. We got so many great questions. Uh, part two, we're going to talk about the areas of clutter that you need help maintaining. A lot of you need help maintaining in certain area. And the other question is, what are you working to declutter and how can we help you? So This is going to be another really, really great and helpful episode. So definitely check it out. Yeah. No, I'm excited for the part two, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Answering these questions was so fun. So thank you all for taking the time. Our Q&As are always so fun for us because it's there's all these ideas pouring out to us and all these areas are like, oh, yeah, we haven't thought about that or, oh, yeah, we should talk about that. So it's super helpful. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll definitely do it again. So uh, stay tuned for the second part of our Q&A.
Yeah. We have a lot of great questions coming up in the second part too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening and we'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks so much guys. Thank you for listening. That was part one of our two-part Q&A episode, and we hope that we've inspired you to apply some of our simple living tips and that you enjoyed learning more about our minimalist lifestyles. Next Monday, we will be releasing a longer part two of this Q&A episode that is jam-packed with simple living tips that you will not want to miss. We share our thoughts on how to manage junk drawers, old hobbies and crafts, office clutter, kitchen supplies, bathroom and entryway clutter, emotional clutter, and digital clutter. Plus, we cover what to do with childhood memorabilia, how to declutter storage areas in your home, how to manage your partner's clutter, and how to avoid impulse buying and find happiness in what you already have. And to close off today, if you haven't already, please take a moment to write us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Your reviews help our podcast grow, and we love reading your words so much. We're always excited to see a new one pop up. Plus, as mentioned in last week's episode, we are now partnered with Toronto Star Podcast and the team would love to hear from you. In the show notes, you will find a link to a quick five-minute survey. And by completing this survey, you will be entered in a draw to win one of three $100 Amazon gift cards. And lastly, as always, you can follow and write to us on Instagram and Facebook at Millennial Minimalists. So thanks again for listening and I will speak with you next week. Bye-bye.